0: All right, five, four, three, two, and one. Good day, everybody. Welcome to the Jacob Media YouTube channel. This is Draft Takes. I'm Derek Gunn. It is presented by IBEW Local 98, Mark Lynch, Business Manager. Hey, just want to give a shout out to the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who have consumed our draft coverage since Thursday, Thursday. Hey, keep smashing the like button. Keep coming here as we give you draft coverage. You are not going to get uh, anywhere else. Now, of course, the uh, Eagles already have uh, four new players in the fold, and we're going to start by recapping their first pick of the 2022 draft. And uh, for that one, I brought in a longtime friend, colleague, and one of my favorite antagonists. He is uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia Eagles beat writer Dave Zangaro. Dave, how you doing, man? I'm good, Gunner. How are you? Good, man. So so let's go back to night one and hone in on that first draft pick, Uh, the big D tackle, Jordan Davis from Georgia. Every time we try to analyze what Howie is going to do, we come to find that we really don't know what Howie is going to do. So the first question I have to ask you is, how shocked were you that out of all the positions the Eagles needed, they decided to go with a mobile refrigerator,
1: with their first pick. (laughs) Honestly, I wasn't that surprised. Um, You can argue that there were other positions they need more. uh, And certainly that's a fair argument. I mean, they have some pretty glaring holes in their secondary right now that could use an edge rusher. Uh, So we know all that, but um, I, I think we know that Howie gets attracted to special players and the Jordan Davis thing is like, there's no one like him, you know, it's, it's kind of like how we talked about kyle pitts last year coming out it's like who do you even compare him to because he's such a special player i mean to me jordan davis fits that even more than pitts did a year ago i mean no one at 340 pounds should be running the 478 i mean that that shouldn't be physically possible and this guy can do it and uh if if you look at it as, all right, they drafted a run stuffing defensive tackle and they traded up and it was a significant trade up to to move up two spots to get him. You can say, well, that's clearly not worth it. Uh, but they're banking on him being more than that. And, and some of it's a projection. I get that. Um, but you have to remember, it's not some, sometimes we talk about, you know, a player has a projection, like Trayvon Walker, you're projecting him because Mm -hmm. he, he didn't do it at college and, and the same thing with Jordan Davis. You're projecting these Georgia kids because they had such uh, limited roles on that defense because it was so good. You know, I mean, they could have them say, all right, Jordan, eat double teams, stuff the run, we'll get you out of there on third down, and that's what they did. He only played 25 snaps a game last year. Uh, so it, on one hand, you're like, all right, can he do more at the next level? And you have to try to figure out if he can. And then you look at his athleticism and you think – yeah, I, th- I think he can. There's some projection there, but it's not boom or bust. I'd be yeah. completely shocked if, if Jordan Davis ends up being a bust in the NFL, if he can't play. I mean, to me, his floor is an elite-level run stuffer. Yep. The only thing we're projecting is his pass rush ability. How much can he give you above mm-hmm. the run stuffing? So it's, if you take a run stuffer at 13 overall, it's probably not a good value pick. But he's not going to be a bust. He's just not. The, the thing I like about it,
0: even though I thought they would go with another edge rusher or maybe even hone in on a corner, but we all knew that the premier so-called cornerback situation was a lot thinner this year than it had been in recent years, is the fact that even though he's a first-round pick, there's pressure on him to produce, but not as much pressure to step right in and beat a man because you have two high-priced pro bowlers in front of him who are going to be great mentors from him when he does assume a more significant role.
1: Yeah. And the thing with that position is he's going to play, you know, you can look at the second round pick and think, well, if everything goes well this year, Cam Juergens, isn't going to play, which is, we're not talking about that pick, but that's the way you can look at that one. And if you're upset Mm -hmm. about that one, I understand it more because, you know, if, if Kelsey's healthy, Jurgens is going to be sitting on the bench, Sure, but we know Jordan Davis is going to play. He's going to rotate in and that's a pretty good rotation. And you have to remember that's four deep. Now they have Cox, Hargrave, Jordan Davis and Milton Williams. I wonder if they don't start sliding Milton out a little bit more on the edge, uh, just given his versatility. And now that you have Jordan Davis in there, I, I think that makes some sense. Um, he's just a good player. And I think that if we look at the premier positions in the first round, I think the Eagles would have been in on them. I think they would have been in on one of the cornerbacks. I think they would have been in on one of the edge rushers, but the way they went off the board, it didn't really Mm -hmm. work. I mean, you had Stingley go really early. Then you had sauce go. And once you got past those two corners, the value wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The edge rushers, if Thibodeau would have had a real slide, I think that would have been in play. Uh, and that didn't happen. I mean, I think that the two players that were would have been available in that range that they didn't get, now they, they traded up. So when they traded up, you thought, it's probably Jordan Davis or it's Kyle Hamilton. Right. If they would have drafted Kyle Hamilton, I would have had no problems with it. I think he's going to be a really good player. But it gets back to the way they value positions. And if they had Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton close to each other, we know which way they're going to go. They've been very honest about that forever. And they traded up to get Jordan Davis. Now, would I have done it? I don't know. Mm. Um, I, I like the pick, but they could have sat there at 15 and got Jermaine Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, and you still would have had all these. So they're banking on Jordan Davis being a special kind of player. He has that ability. It's We'll see if he becomes that.
0: Do you think the price was too steep uh, to get a player
1: like Davis? It was steep. Uh, you know, if you look at like the, the value chart, it was more than you had to. But look, if that's their guy, to me, you don't worry about giving up fifth round picks if you're going up to get a game changer. If you're going up to get a guy you think can be a cornerstone of your franchise. Fine. You know, if you have to give up, what was it, um, two, two of their fifth round picks and, and, and the four like. You do yeah. it. It's it's not <laughs> ideal, especially in this draft, because they really did like the mid round value in this draft class. You have to remember, so many kids stayed an extra year, and it wasn't the top guys who stayed. It was uh, the players who really felt they could benefit from having an extra year in college. So this is a day three is is going to be a good day in this draft, and, and the undrafted class is going to be good. So they gave up pretty valuable picks to move up, but. Like I said, if you're getting a player you think is a cornerstone difference maker, the guy who's going to replace Fletcher Cox, you do it. And really, it's funny. Their first two picks are going to replace all-time greats. Yeah. When you look at Jordan Davis is going to replace Fletcher Cox and and Cam Jurgens is going to replace Jason Kelsey.
0: Hmm. Do you think this is the beginning of the end for Fletcher Cox? He's in the final year of his deal. Uh, Hargrave is in the final year of his deal. One or both could be gone at the conclusion of the 2022 season.
1: Yeah. You know, I I think it still makes sense to extend Javon Hargrave. He's really good. You know, um, he's, he's a better player than Fletch right now. He's younger than Fletch. And I I, bring Fletcher back for 14 million is a lot. Yeah, it is. You know, that's not, you know, that's a lot of money. For a guy who let's be honest wasn't that good last year he was still an above average defensive tackle he can still really do a lot of good things but he wasn't what he once was so we'll see I mean it, it might be overpaying Fletcher this year and I, I'm I'm okay with it in some ways because you're you're getting a, still a very good player who is important in that building and right. I get all that but the writing seems to be on the wall here that this is Probably going to be his last season, unless he wants to take a, a big discount next year and be a rotational player. Because if you have Hargrave back and I, I want Jordan Davis to be a starter in year two. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally. And then you still have Milton Williams, who they're they're bullish on. So uh we know that they care about the position and they want to keep it stocked. But my guess will be this is Fletcher's last year here.
0: You guys had a chance to um, talk to Jordan Davis uh, by way of a conference call. Coming away, give me some of your impressions of him. I know it's only the initial introduction, but you know
1: he looks like this big, happy-go-lucky
0: guy. Uh, but give me your impressions
1: of him. Yeah, he has a little mean streak on the field, though. Yeah, he, he's a mm-hmm. giant. By the way, he came in uh, for his press conference on Friday. He he's a mountain. I mean, he is he's enormous, and and we're around big people. Quite a right. bit. He, he stands out among that crowd. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing training camp and seeing him next to some of these other players. That's when you get a real good sense of it. Seeing him next to Jordan Milata, who's taller, but uh, you know, he he's a beefy dude, Jordan Davis. Uh, <laughs> my, my initial reactions uh, on Thursday night, it was cool. He was, he was a little, Uh, you could tell his his head was spinning. He was excited. He thought he was going to end up in Baltimore um, just because they had the pick before the Eagles, and the Eagles knew that. They traded ahead of him. And, you know, once the Eagles made the trade, he knew he was going to Philly. He had only had three visits. It was Baltimore, Philly, and Dallas, and he figured whichever one of those teams got higher in the draft would would take him, and that ended up being true. Um, We didn't get a ton from him. Right after he got drafted, just because he was so uh, overwhelmed, you know, overwhelmed. And he yeah. was, he was, he was like stumbling over his words. He couldn't get anything out, which is, it's, which is actually kind of cool to see because it's mm-hmm. um, as long as I've been doing this and you've been doing it longer, it's still really cool yeah. to see kids yep. get drafted and, and have that experience. Uh, the next day he got in town and, and we were able to learn a little bit about him. Um, you know, I asked him some of the biggest lessons he'd take, from Georgia and one of the first things he said was knowing what it takes to be a champion. And Mm -hmm. I I don't think it's, and how he said, it's not, it's not a coincidence that in the last three years, they've taken five players from sec schools who have won national championships. You know, uh, we're getting further away from the super bowl and there are less and less of those guys who remember what it took to get there. So I know it's not an exact uh correlation. I know it's not the same exact thing, but it takes a lot to win a championship in college too. So you have Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, Jordan Davis, and the Kobe Dean, all with with championship rings. And mm-hmm. that's not that's not a coincidence.
0: We talked about Howie learning his lessons. We had you on our Jacob Media YouTube show, Sports Take, with myself, Rob Ellison, Barrett Brooks, a few days ago, and we talked about Howie last year dipping into the premier college conference in all of football to take his first pick. I tell you what, he goes right back at it again. So maybe Howie finally sees the light that if you like, if you want to, if you want to pursue championships, you have to pursue championship pedigree players. Who knows what it takes to get to that ultimate level?
1: Yeah, and it's not a bad idea. Like we obviously, it's a byproduct as you get guys who understand how to win, but you're also getting just very good players. You know, yep. Oh my god, you're drafting Ooh. players from these teams. They're very good, uh, and and that's not. I I don't want to oversimplify it by just saying draft players from the SEC, right? That's oversimplifying it, and you could do that and be successful, but there's talent elsewhere. There sure. is. I mean, there's there's talent in, in every conference. There's talent even in like Division two. Like you, you, there's talent out there. There's talent in the FCS. Like you can find it, um, and and it's up to them to do it. But it is nice to see them go to the power conferences and draft players who are not just productive. But have that taste of winning. Obviously, the the measurables have to match at a certain yep. point, too. You can't just draft a guy because he was on a good team. He has to be a good player, and he has to fit what you do. Uh, but I think we're seeing a little bit of a shift, and, I th- and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Jordan Davis, one of the things that really jumped out at me was the fact that at the combine, this man – at 340 pounds, ran a 478, which was the fastest time for a man more than 300 pr- pounds since 2006. If he can do that at, at, at 340 pounds, once he gets with the Eagles nutritionists and the training staff, do you think he could be even more effective, more explosive, quicker if
1: he gets down to about like 330-ish? Yeah, and that's his goal. He wants to play in the 330s. He's about 345 right now. And the weight is something to keep an eye on. Um, he has to keep that under control because you need him yep. to not just be explosive, but you need him to have the, the endurance, the conditioning to stay on the field. You know, you can't have a situation where an offense is looking at him thinking, let's gas him out. Let's go no huddle. Let's keep him on the field because he can't, yep. he can't withstand that. That's not going to be good enough. He has to be at a level where um, he can play a series if, if they're doing that to him. You think back to a couple years ago, we saw him get exposed a little bit. He admitted um, that he he needed to improve that, and he did. Um, And I think them cutting down his snaps a little bit helped too. But you need him to play a lot in the NFL. Use a first-round pick on him. So uh, it's about finding that sweet spot. Um, He's going to be a big player, and he's going to be big and powerful, and he's going to eat double teams. And you just want to be able to, to get him to a weight and a conditioning level where you can utilize both his size and uh, his his physical explosiveness, and because he has that in it, right, right. Howie Howie
0: and Jonathan Gannon may have tipped their hand a little bit when they said that uh, there's a possibility you could see three D tackles in the trenches, you know. And you're talking about three powerful men who can move the pocket. You can slide them one way or the other, and you can still have your back your back guys, you know, filling the gaps to to, to pursue on the blitz or to fill the gaps even more so in the runs. Can you let your imagination run, which which you could have either Fletcher, Hargraves, and Davis, and or Milton Williams, you know, with a hand in the dirt at the same time?
1: Yeah, it it, it really does open up a lot of possibilities. And we know Gannon last year really wanted to be multiple. He wanted to be able to go into every game and say – this is the defense this week because we're playing this offense and we think this is the best way to attack them. Uh, I think having a guy like Jordan Davis and having Hassan Reddick and having the Kobe Dean mm-hmm. really gives him the ability to do that. I, I think he was playing with a short deck last year, to be frank. I, you know, I, I don't think he had the players in the building that he needed to do what he wanted to do defensively. I think he does now. And it's, it's going to be a, a proving ground for him a little bit because uh, in the court of public opinion, he was not a very popular person here last year in this city. And he brought a lot of that on himself. Uh, I still think he's a pretty good coach. Uh, okay. You know, I, I don't think there are three teams, you NFL that wanted to interview him for a head coaching position because he's a dummy, you know, right. uh, I, I think there's something there. And now we'll find out because he, he has the players to do that. He can run three man fronts. He can run four man fronts. He can use the, all these guys are kind of chess pieces. They they can play Jordan Davis on the edge if they want to. They can slide Milton Williams inside. And they have a lot of different possibilities right now. And I'm really curious to see exactly how he implements all these guys.
0: You know, if there was one knock on Jordan Davis, it was the fact that the word was he took plays off. He sometimes got lost in the shuffle. uh, Didn't play as hard every down uh, as he should for a guy of his size. When you looked at him on film, Did you come away with that indication?
1: I think part of it is the conditioning. Okay. Uh, Especially when you look two years ago. Um, Especially when you're talking about a guy playing 25 plays. Yeah, you want him to to go all out on every play. I think back to watching Milton Williams. And it was one of the things I really liked about Milton Williams coming out a couple years ago was that this dude was all over the field. uh, Whistled, you know, snapped the whistle. Never gave up on plays. And mm-hmm. it's not like Jordan Davis was lazy. I like I don't right, wanna, right. you know, it's um I, I thought the effort was there. Definitely effort was there. Uh, he has tough duty in that defense. He's got two, three guys on him at all times. That's it. Sometimes it looks easy because you're like, they're not even moving. They're moving, it's just he's got two other guys moving against it. It's right, like right. It, sometimes you, you watch a, a play and you forget that like there's a car crash going on. Right there, and he's got two cars on one, and it's 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 not an easy deal. Uh, it can gas you out, um, and he's going to do that here. I mean, he if nothing else, he's and they're not they didn't draft him 13 overall to eat double teams. They didn't. That's not good enough. But right. he's going to get double teams, and it's going to free people up. I think back a few years ago, um, the Heloti Nata year. What was left the Heloti when he played here, and, and we agree he th- he didn't really have much tread left on the tires even he that year got double teamed a lot when you just you have a massive human being like that you have to send bodies their way um the idea here is you have a massive body who can do everything he can be explosive he can get upfield and he needs some refinement too you know it's you see this guy on a national championship team and you think and it's funny, you look, I, I'm off on a tangent here, but you look at that Georgia team, right? right and you say, right. uh, if you were just like, watch this team, who were the best players on that defense? You'd probably pick out Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean, right? Mm-hmm. They're making plays out there. Wow. Um, and it, 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 it's going to be fun to watch those two implemented now in this defense. But with Davis, he has some refinement to go. He's not a finished mm-hmm. product. Right, And that's exciting. And we'll see how Tracy Rocker, uh, the defensive line coach, back for a second season, which is like rare for the Eagles. That wasn't the last time they had a, a defensive line coach for two seasons in a row. That's right. It's going to take a lot. And, and he, it's going to fall on him, and it's going to fall on Jeremiah Washburn, who is uh, the assistant D-line coach. And it's going to fall on Fletcher and Javon Hargrave to get this guy to be a finished product because there's still room to grow. And I think that's mm-hmm. what's, you scary in some ways because you're projecting, but it's also really exciting because he's already the best defensive player in the nation, and he has a lot of room to grow.
0: He is Dave Zangaro, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Follow him on all the social media platforms. Uh, He is one of the best of the best in his region in terms of covering the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm happy. I may not say this again publicly, Dave, so listen closely. I'm happy to call him a colleague and, more importantly, a friend. Until next time. All right, Uh, this has been the Jacob Media YouTube channel. This is Draft Takes. I'm Derek Gunn is presented by IBEW Local 98. Mark Lynch, your business manager. Hey, don't forget to join us each and every day, Monday through Friday on Sports Take from noon to 3 p.m. with Rob Ellis, Barrett Brooks, and myself, as we cover all the sports in the tri state region. Also, hey, don't forget to make your summer sports, t- uh, summer plans right now at Ocean Casino Resort, the exclusive provider of all Jacob Media content. Go for the beach, go for the win. This is Draft Takes presented by IBEW Local 98. Mark Lynch, business manager. For my man, Dave Zangara, I'm Derek Gunn. Thanks for watching.